The following comes to you through podbean.com in the artist realm with Sylvia Stein. Here we go. Welcome this evening for a very special one-on-one with author and editor A.J. Brown. And we have had this a long time coming. He's been very patient. I'm not very good with technology. Our technology sometimes sucks. Sorry to say it like that, but it does. And uh, now, thankfully, we were able to work it out where he's here. And he's going to share all his insight with editing. And I won't be uh, keep rambling on without further ado. Welcome, A.J. Brown. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Yes, I hope you uh, well. Yes, it is. You sounded a little choppy there. Are you, let's see. Can you say it again? So I hope you well. Yes, you're, you're doing well. So you're kind of, I don't know, you're, you're coming on, but you're kind of drifting off a little bit. Maybe you need to get closer to your mic. <laughs> okay. okay. A little bit better. Okay, there you go. There you're, you're better there. Okay, okay. Go ahead and introduce yourself for those that are tuning in um, that have haven't uh, heard of you. I'm sure you have a lot of, of followers and fans, but those that don't, can you tell us about you? Uh, I am AJ Brown. I live in South Carolina. I write predominantly horror stories, dark fiction. Um, I delve into real life and put my characters through a literal hell, Mm, Uh, and I enjoy it. Uh, I am married. I have two kids that I affectionately call the girl and the boy. I love that. Um, uh, I am kind of of a, uh, an anti-rules person. I don't care much for them, but... Mm. Uh, so I break them as often as I can. Okay. And I think you've heard me say that before. Yes, you're a rule breaker. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I'm a rebel with the cause. Yes. <laughs> that, that's great. I love that. And you are coming to us from, uh, you work with Stitch Mouth Publications, correct? Yes. Um, I work with Lisa uh, Vasquez. Shout and, out and, to Lisa. <laughs> and they're, uh, they're great to work for. Um, they have really, uh, SFC has really tried to develop a, a different brand of publishing yes. with the fact that they're trying to focus more on the author. They don't want to look at the author as a number. Yes. They want to look at the author as a person. They want to treat the author as a person. Yes. And, you know, uh, it's also one of those things, we have a saying, um, do you want it right or do you want it right now? Yeah. Um, if you want it right now, SSP is not the place to no. go. No, it's like a va- it's more like a vanity place that you want to go to or something like that, right? If you right. Mean, like if you, per- want, if you want if you want to you know not go through the editing process and 
if you want to, uh, you know, just throw it out there, then you can do that yourself. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know? But exactly. we have a very structured editing process that, you know, if it takes two, two rounds of editing, then it takes two. If it takes 10, then it takes 10. Yeah. Um, whatever it takes to get the story as close to perfect as possible. And I use the term as close to perfect as possible because I don't believe a story is ever perfect. No. Um, someone will always see something wrong with it. Yeah. Um, someone will always have something to say. They'll say you know something that's grammatically incorrect, or they'll say this word should have been used, or that word should have been used. Yeah. Um, so we try to get the stories as close to perfect as possible, um, and have the the authors say in all this yeah. you know the author can okay, exactly. you know there's discussions with the authors there's you know hey this is why i think this what do you think exactly. you know it's, it's very important that the author has a hand in their book and, and and this goes from the submission all the way through the publishing and their marketing yeah you know um, it's very important that the author gets treated like a person, person. not a dollar sign, not a number, not a statistic. But it, but as a person, as a whole, that has input in, basically what I've learned from SST, when I uh, met you guys uh, working there as an intern, I learned, um, what I learned really quickly is the, the community of, of family that you all have, a tight-knit but it's also very helpful. Like you guys always tried to help develop the author as well as the, the intern or the editor working closely together to, to bond them, to, to interject with each other, not just have one point, but have a, a equal point. And one thing I love about Lisa, as you mentioned, and yourselves, is that not just because I was an intern there, but I've learned so much in that time that I was there how to better myself as a author myself to to give to more other authors or other writers that are starting out. So, and that's actually very important, to Lisa. You know, is yeah. it's not just publishing a book. Mm-hmm. You know, it is very important to because because a, a lot of authors, especially young authors mm-hmm. who have never had a book published, yes. don't know how to market themselves. No. Don't know how to use social media. No. Don't know how to be professional. So one of the things that she really tries to focus on, and, and it's teaching yes. how to do these things, yes. um, and including with you know interns, editors, um, uh, marketing assistants, um, authors. Yes. You know, it goes across the board. Yes. And the other good thing about this is she's also willing to learn. Yes. You know, so if she doesn't know something, she's going to find it out. Yes. And that's really important. And she doesn't throw stuff together. No. She takes the time to learn. Um, like if, she, if she, like she's been doing videos here lately. Yes. yes. She took time to learn how to do those mm-hmm. to help promote the authors that are under the SSP umbrella. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and those things are important. Plus, she has a and I really don't like the term out of the box, uh-huh. but she really does have an out of the box mentality uh-huh. where, okay, we're going to do this. Yes. 
and let's see how this works. Yes. She's willing to take risk. Yes. And, and the interesting thing about that is there have been things that Stitch Smile has done that other small presses did not do and now do. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like she's SSP is becoming kind of like a a trendsetter, yes. you know. And, and you know, and, and it's you know, to to do things like that, you have to have really thick skin. You yes. have to be able to handle criticism. Exactly. You have to be able to handle a lot of um, different personalities. Exactly. She does a very good job of that. Yes. Um, me, it's like there's certain certain times. It's like you know what. I can, I can do without this person, you know. But mm -hmm. she's like, she'll she'll be like, hey, we're gonna try this, you know. And, and we're gonna work. Try to try to. She gives her. She has such a passion that she gives herself all entirely to everyone. And, Absolutely. And you guys do too, because you work well together. And when I, you know, that's why, like, I I love how you mentioned all the that goes behind what you guys do, but. One of the things about you as well is that you also edit, and you mentioned that um, with with what you, what you know, if it takes two rounds of edits, and and this is why when I thought of speaking about editors or editing, I thought of you right away, because you always have something to say. You're a rule breaker, but you also know there's two sides. There's the you know your side, and I'm not going to speak for you, but I'm saying this myself, the as the writer and the editor. Can you tell us a little bit about that before we go into the questions that I wanted to ask you? Well, you know, there really the two sides are. Um, you're, you're absolutely right. You have the writer who they pour themselves out into the story, mm -hmm. and this is their baby. Every story mm -hmm. that a writer writes is their baby, mm -hmm. um, even the worst ones. Yeah. And when a writer pours themselves into a story, I mean, like, really passionately pours yeah. themselves into a story, a lot of times it's hard to take, hey, this needs work. Mm -hmm. And so that's where the editing side comes in. Mm -hmm. As a writer, we're bullheaded. Yes. We're stubborn. <laughs> this is our stuff. It's great. Yes. As an editor, we're bullheaded and we're <laughs> stubborn. And... But the reason for that is we want your story to be the best it can yes. be. So having been on both sides of the coin, you know, the, the editor of me is a lot tougher on writers yes. than some people would be because I am a writer. Yes. I, I am on the other side yes. of I do have an editor who will in a heartbeat say, this sucks. Yes. My wife also is quite possibly, she is my biggest fan, but she is my biggest critic. Yeah. She will tell me in a heartbeat, honey, don't publish this. This sucks. <laughs> or she'll say, this is one of the best things you've ever written. Yeah. Uh, but she will tell me. But basically she, she's very blunt. And and, and and you have to learn to grow thick skin, basically, right? Right, and that's where, you know, having an editor, and my wife, she'll proof a lot of the stuff that I, I, I do, so it's kind of like having an in-house editor as well. Yeah. Uh, but having being a writer and having people rip my stories apart and being an editor, I don't 
necessarily rip stories apart, but I will point out things that I think needs fixing. Yeah. And for me, I am a logic type person. Yeah. If I'm reading a story, if it doesn't make sense, it's not correct. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that's one of the things that I point out. I look at logic and I look at consistency. Yeah. I mean, if John's eyes are blue on page three, and then, John's eyes need to be blue on page 35. Yeah, and yeah. if you all of a sudden, okay, well, John's eyes turn brown unless he became a zombie or something like that, then that makes no sense. Right. right. And, and so for me, uh, logic and consistency are the two, two of the biggest logic things I look for. And, and, um, and I, I don't, um, I don't mince words with that. Yeah. When it comes to logic, and it comes to, uh, to, to consistency, mm-hmm. that is one of the things that if it's not logical and if it's not consistent, the reader will see it. Yeah. I mean, sometimes they miss. They, the readers don't notice on grammar. Sometimes they don't notice when you use a word too often, sometimes they don't notice sentence mm-hmm. structure, mm-hmm. but they will notice an inconsistency and they will notice a logic issue. Exactly. Exactly. I agree. It, it's it's w- one of the reasons I said I wanted you to come and speak about editing because you've had the experience as a, both a writer and an editor. I learned a lot as an intern of what was, of what made sense. Like you learn, like every... You're like a student. I went to classes at SNHU and I learned, you know, writing about writing and what the correct way was and my way was. But when I was at Stitch Mount Publications, I saw what it meant to have the flow of your story. Like there was a lot of things that I grasped from our meet from the meetings we had, um, and what I see. And this is what I try to teach other writers. Like when I give a, a podcast or on a writing tip. The whole point of that is to to teach a writer or or somebody that's starting out what I learned, the tools that that I'm learning as I go, because every day is a learning experience, just like you. Um, and and what I like is that you have to be able to take the criticism, because that's one thing I learned earlier on, and I've learned even now, and I appreciate that because I think you told me about one of my books that your wife had seen some minor like grammatical and I and I took it to heart because you know I like that you said if I were you I'd take it down so you can you know look through it and get it done and that was the best thing I did because I was able to give it to someone to look at they proofread it waited a while then I put it back on and now I see more the reviews are coming in right and if you had not had and I appreciate Catherine, you know, your wife, because she pointed it out. And I appreciate that that was said to me because I don't want to give less of what I can. And right. and then and I trusted this company that I thought did a great job, which and they really didn't because if you have to go back and get another proof, someone to proofread, then and I'm not trying to put them down, but they. Obviously, there wasn't no consistency, or they didn't see something that was organic that they could, uh, what is it, grasp when you read a story. You know, know, here's here's one of the the things I tell people when they're they're dealing with an editor. Mm -hmm. When someone sends you your edits back, Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Don't just check the edits. No. Go through and read the read story yeah. with the edits in there. And if you disagree with something, question it. Question yeah. it. Don't just readily accept it because yeah. sometimes when a, an editor will, will say, hey, make this change, but it completely changes the context of the story yeah. and the complexion of the story. Okay. So it's very important that as the writer – you, when you go through the editing process, you go. You have to check after your editors, just as the editors check after you. Yeah, it's, it's very important, and that's a. It's, it's, it's great that we can trust our editors, mm-hmm. but as a writer, every time I, I have an edit from an editor, I check to make sure that it fits yeah. with the rest of the story. Because if be, it doesn't, yeah. that hurts you. Yes. Exactly, and the, and that's a that's a those are really good points that you have mentioned on editing, and this is why when I thought of questions, mainly because um, as I said, they they help other writers, um, they help you, and if someone's listening now, we you know this these might be things tools that they can hand to themselves and and take on a story or whatever they want to work on, and I have a book called the uh, the writer's devotional. It's a a book by an author named Amy Peters. She broke it down into like weeks, uh, Monday writing, Tuesday. You know, she has different days, and in different days, she adds like authors on writing, motivation, prompts, and also um, the the one uh, edit editors on editing. So I wanted right. to do the editing side, and now that you know you've answered that of your of of your own uh, examples, and I'm sure there'll be more. Um, I wanted you to take the time to answer the first question I asked. What does editing mean to you? I think you brought it up and you mentioned it, but from your questions, uh, you can elaborate more on what you said, but what does it mean to you and why is it important? Well, um, first of all, no story is perfect. No first draft is ever perfect. Um, I don't care how great of a writer you are, Stephen King makes mistakes. Clive Barker makes mistakes. Yeah. James Peterson makes mistakes. Yeah. There's always something somewhere, whether it's a misspelling, mm-hmm. whether it's a punctuation, where it's omission of words, whether it's the inconsistencies. Yeah. Um, there's always something. Um, and editing, you know, is the tool that's supposed to catch those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like to reference it as a polishing cloth. Okay. You know, when you are going to wash your car, you're going to wax your car, yeah. you're going to a polishing cloth. You're not going to use a scouring pad. Yeah. You know, you're not going to polish a car with a wire brush. You know, you're going to mm-hmm. use a soft, uh, a polishing cloth. They're very soft. That, um, and when you start rubbing the uh, wax, when your wax is already set on the car, and you're ready to polish it off. Mm-hmm. When you start rubbing it, you rub it in circles or you rub it in a straight mm-hmm. line, however you want to do it. What that polishing cloth is like is editing. As you are polishing the car, the car gets shinier. Yeah. Exactly. As you as you continue to polish it, the car looks better and better. Yes. Consider editing that polishing cloth. Okay. Yeah. As you edit, oh, the good. story gets better and better and better. Yeah. You know, and, and it literally to me it's like waxing and polishing your car or waxing and polishing a nice pair of shoes mm-hmm. you know anything that you can polish spit shine you know that's what editing is like you're trying to polish it up as clean as you can make it 
Um, and, and if you don't take the time to edit, even if you're going yeah. to edit it yourself, mm-hmm. if you don't take the time to edit it, you're going to send in some, you know, submit something to a magazine, submit something to an anthology, mm-hmm. submit something to a, an agent, and they're going to look at it and, and they're going to get past the first paragraph and say no. Yeah, because exactly. it's exactly. very clear when somebody writes does not take the time to read over it, to polish it, to to actually mm-hmm. go, okay, this sentence I wrote, mm-hmm. is it a good sentence? Yes. You know, and, and there are a lot of authors out there who think that their stories are gold the minute it leaves their fingertips. Mm-hmm. And, and it's just not. No. And realistically, uh, I'm, I'm going back to King. None of us are Stephen King. Mm-hmm. There is one Stephen King. Yes. And even he makes mistakes. Yep, exactly. And if Stephen King, the master of horror, to me, a, a terrific writer, yeah. uh, if he's making mistakes, the average writer is going to make more mistakes. Yeah, exactly. exactly. That's why... Editing is like that rag. It's like you're polishing that car. If you can't polish the car, you may as well just not even try to wax it, not even try to wash it. So it's like, so like not, not even, uh, you're not even going to give yourself that 100% in your writing, then, then you need to work need on to it work more. On. Right? Right. You, you have to work on everything. It's not, you know, a few years ago, when I say a few, I mean quite a few years ago, yeah. uh-huh. uh, I got ripped a new one by a, a publisher, an, an editor. And, and his words were, and I'm going to quote because I'll never forget them, mm-hmm. you should never write another story. Oh, man. Um, and that was when I first started writing. And, and I'm not going to lie, I got pissed. Yeah. I was like, who is he to say that I shouldn't write another mm-hmm. story? Who's... And, and you know, I, I got my feelings hurt. I got a little, yeah. I got a little down about it. Yeah. Um, but then after I got over being hurt, yeah, and I got mad, I said I'm gonna prove this guy wrong. So I started uh, talking to people. Hey, what does this mean? How do I go about this? Yeah. Um, and then I started writing these. I needed to learn how to log. I would dialogue, nothing okay. else. Okay. You know, um, it would have, like, say you and I are in the story. It would have Sylvia said this, then Jess said this, and then the rest of it would just be dialogue. Yeah. No, no dialogue tags or anything. Yeah. But I, I was doing that to learn how to write dialogue. dialogue. Yeah. When I felt like I'd gotten there, I went to description. What is a good description? Well... Stephen King, that's the one knock that I have on him, is that he loves to be descriptive. Yes. And in some cases, a little too much. <laughs> but he's so engrossing that a lot of people don't notice it. Um, yes. I learned how to write descriptions. Then I said, okay, well, what about feelings? How do you write with emotions? So I started mm-hmm. diving into writing with emotions. Yeah. Um, how do you use scenery as character? Yeah. You know, things like, so I yeah. would literally write entire stories with just scenery. You know, and, and then I started putting all that together because somebody said, you should never write another story again. Wow. At that point, that's when I started learning to self-edit. Self-edit. Okay. After I did all I spent about two years doing that. 
um, literally teaching myself a lot of stuff that I had never learned. And and, uh, that's when I learned to self-edit. It took me a long time. And when I say a long time, I'm talking seven, eight, nine, ten years Mm -hmm. for me to learn how to really self-edit good. But but um, you but you gave yourself that time, like you said. You started with the dialogue. You started with the setting, the emotions, the characters. Started putting everything together, right? So right. so you you started you know for, and, and you didn't learn it overnight and but you grew from the the comment that was made, right? And not to interrupt you, but that's what basically where you, where did did it come full circle for you then when we started doing that? Did that make it? easier to take the criticism later or well that was the worst criticism i've ever gotten okay. i mean when an editor tells you as a young author you should never write again okay. what worse can there be yeah, yeah. And you can only go I mean, up basically from that right right and, and i've always had a pretty thick skin you know um and i've it's, it's a little difficult as a writer because growing up, I've always had this uh, this saying, you know, hey, if you like me, great. If you don't, you're lost. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah. But as a as a writer, you can't be that way. No. You absolutely cannot be that way because you rely on editors. You rely on other writers. You rely on readers yes. to to help you get your stories out there, to, exactly. to buy your stories. So you can't say, hey, if you don't like me, that's your loss. You know, it's a whole different mindset. However, but having having that mindset, if you don't like me, it's your loss, it's so much easier to take criticism because, you know, I've dealt with it pretty yeah. much my whole life. I played basketball. I was too short. I'm not going to ever be a basketball player. I was a very good point guard, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've always had, you know, issues where there's something that somebody Said. didn't think I could do. But you, but you, like, but you went, but you still, wrong. you, you proved that you can, they had basically kind of like the adversity that you were able to power through, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and that's what you have to do, you know, as, as a, as a writer, you have to be able to take criticism. And let me tell you, editors are very critical. Mm-hmm. And, but, to, to defend editors, as an editor, you cannot be soft. No. You can't. And, and soft editors are, are the editors who cannot get their authors to understand where they're coming from. Because they're like, hey, I think this needs to be changed, but if you don't change it, it's okay. That's not editing. No. That's, making, that's making a suggestion and saying, yeah. huh, you're called, do whatever. You know, yeah. and that's not, that's, <coughs> excuse me, that's okay. not good editing. You have to, as an editor, you have to have just as thick skin as a writer. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, <coughs> take your time. If you need some water, you can get some. Not a problem. I'm good. I uh, just had a, a little. Yeah. I, I deal with the same. This is why I always have either my coffee and the water right there because I get, my, my throat gets really dry. But um, I was going to say, and that's really good advice and on um, what you were saying. Now, as far as what is your editing process, or and do you even have one? Um, well, it's kind of... Um, you said you, you do self-edit. I go, over, you, I go over a lot of my own stories to yeah. start with. Yeah. Um, and then I have my wife read them. 
that that's kind of kind of the important thing because she's really good at catching stuff that I miss. She's really good at catching stuff that other editors miss. You know, that's awesome. Um, when an editor sends stuff back to me, I think I mentioned this earlier. I go over their comments, their suggestions, things like that. But I also read the story. I, I, I read, you know, the comments and the stories together. Yeah. You know, because as I've said before, sometimes the the suggested edits or the comments don't fit with the story. Yeah. And it, you have to make sure that everything stays consistent. And you know, case in point, a few years ago, I had my story Catherine as well mm-hmm. was accepted in this this anthology mm-hmm. but the editor wanted me to take out uh the reference to um to really however i said if i watch it's our complexion of the story that's very important that the reference is in there yeah. because if not then some of the stuff at the end of the story and, and some of the things that the narrator says throughout the story will make absolutely no sense. Exactly. Um, and he said, well, you can either make the changes or we're not going to accept the story. I said, well, consider the story um, pulled. You know, I, I'm not going to make the changes, and so don't publish it. Mm-hmm. And so uh, they, they didn't. And I didn't sign the contract because I was totally against yeah. that particular because it would have caused the entire story from that point on to be inconsistent. Yeah. And I, I wasn't for no, that. Exactly. You, you can't see that's the thing. There's there's certain editing that needs requires work that you have to get done, but when you're when it changes your story or the consistency of what you're trying to say, then there's a problem there and and there has to be either they work with you or then like you you did you pulled the story, so. Right. It does, and that's that's very also things that I've learned from other authors when I when there's some that are very adamant about keeping stuff and in their work that they shouldn't though there there's also the other way around where there not that the story doesn't make sense but there's things that have to be worked at and some won't even consider it I, I've right. come across that because I've I've done the same I I was a young writer. I started with a little attitude where I would get upset or I get hurt easily. But, you know, as my husband said, my husband, you know, he'll say, well, do you want to be a writer? And if this is what you want to do, you got to you gotta basically pick yourself up and believe that you can do it. It's, it's to help you, not to hurt you. Although it sounds like it's bad advice, you know, or, or, or hurtful. At the same time, you can, you can grow from it. Absolutely. And, and, you know, a lot of, I've edited a, a few books over the years, mm-hmm. and a lot of, how do I say this and be discreet, a lot of authors want praise. They, they want you to say that their book is great. Mm-hmm. They want you to say that this is the best thing you've ever read. They don't want you to say, hey, this character does, is not consistent. Here, this character is this way. Oh, wait a minute. Here, the character is completely different. Um, case in point, uh, there's a, a story I was editing a while back, mm-hmm. and the protagonist, in the, I mean, not the protagonist, the antagonist in the, in the story mm-hmm. was a 
a world traveling monster mm-hmm. who killed indiscriminately and violently. Mm-hmm. Then when the hero of the story meets up with the monster and they're going to battle, they have a discussion. They talk. And it was like and, and it was kinda like saying uh and, and understand where I'm coming from. It's kinda like two gentlemen going, Pip Pip Cheerio you know. <laughs> um, how are you today? And I'm like, wait a minute, hold up. You just spent you know, 200 pages talking about this monster. He's evil. He's killing children and adults and ripping their skin off. And now he's going to have a discussion with the hero on why he's there? No, he's going to kill the hero. Yeah. He's not going to talk to him. He's not going to try to reason with him. He's not going to say, oh, if you do this, I'll do this. No. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's way inconsistent. Yeah. You know, I mean, it didn't and, fit and, and, that, yeah. You know, <coughs> um, <coughs> if you need to get water, you can. Not, it's not a problem. Shit. <laughs> Actually, I have some too. Okay, there you go. Oh, you're fine. Right, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. I, I didn't say anything. I was just drinking the water real quick. Oh, no, you're fine. You're fine. No, but so it was a, uh, it was. A, a massive inconsistency, and and uh, I, I I mentioned it several times in the edits, and he refused to change it, and and then he said, you know what, I'm not working with you anymore, and I said, okay, you know, that is the type of thing that we have to be careful with because as as authors. You know, I was just trying to point out the importance of the inconsistency of the monster being one way, and then all of a sudden just, hey, come into my house. Let's have a talk. Yeah. Yeah. It's like when um, another important factor is is I have a book uh, from school, and one of the authors, Walter Mosley, this year you write your novel. He points out on there that when you're writing dialogue, you can't say, make a conversation, all of a sudden, um, it's two people are talking, and the person all of a sudden starts talking in a way where they're not educated, and all of a sudden they sound educated with the words they use. You, either you make them uneducated, and or you pick one or the other, because right. it confuses the reader. It's, it's like in any story, any characters that you write, or create, you start them off this way, but on page 50, the person's speaking uh, British or something. You all of a sudden, and he, and the way he says it is very blunt in his book, and and he writes that way. I don't know if you've read his book or not, but if you have time, Walter Mosley is very. Uh, I'm gonna say it like it is, and this is the way it is, you know. And and I and and I need to use more of his example of his book, but. I hope you write. I know you were working on a writing uh, writing book or book on writing because you're very good at that. And I'm not just saying it because I work with you, but all the stuff that you say, like when we're like right now discussing, I hope you start putting these things in a book because you're very good with that. Actually, I do have the book, and it's it's done. It just I haven't I've gone through the editing process. Yay! Um, I can't wait. 
simply oh, put. Okay. And uh, it's simply put how I see words. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's got a little bit of snark in it because um, you can't. That's you have to the be, only way to be. <laughs> Sometimes right. you just have to. You know, but you know, it's interesting enough, the point that you were just making about dialogue and changing up in dialogue, mm-hmm. I one of the sections that I wrote in there is is about dialogue and the importance of the use of dialogue mm-hmm. correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not exactly sure what, I, years ago when I was trying to learn dialogue, mm-hmm. I asked another author a, a, about it. And he said, and it was to me one of the most brilliant things I had heard, he said, dialogue is like oxygen to a story. story. Good dialogue will help a story live. Bad dialogue will kill a story. Just like oxygen will help you live, but uh, lack of oxygen will kill you. Wow. um, It was such a great... uh, Analogy, right? Or yeah, oh, great analogy. It was a great way he put it, and I have never forgotten that. Okay. So whenever I'm working with authors, a lot of times that'll come up, and I'll bring that up. Hey, it's like oxygen, and I will tell them exactly what this author told me, and, and uh, that's actually in my book about oxygen and how you know. It's, it's not just important that the dialogue rings true to the character, but it also rings true with the situation. If you're not, if, if you're in a situation uh, where uh, you're fighting this intergalactic demon, mm-hmm. you're not going to turn to somebody and say, "Hey, you want a cup of coffee?" Mm-hmm. You're, exactly. you're, you're not going to do that. No. You're going to do, "Oh my, oh my God, what's going to? How do we get out of this? You know, this thing's going to kill us. You're going to be freaking out." Yes, um, and. You, you have to make sure the dialogue fits the scene as well. Exactly. You can't just have yeah. great dialogue, but, it, you know, great dialogue that doesn't fit the scene is still going to kill the story. Exactly, exactly. And I apologize for the background noise. That my, one of my middle schoolers is having some type of who knows what crisis, but yes. <laughs> so sorry about that. No, but all of it is good advice. All And I simply put, I will need for you to come back and talk to us. Of course, we're not done yet, but when you get your book completed, I hope you'll come and share some of that wisdom with us uh, on the show. Now that we got this working and we know that we can finally have shows to record you on. No problem. I'd love to. Yeah, exactly. And thank you for sharing that. Now, um, I was going to ask you on the, because I did ask you about why editing is important to you, and you did compare it to like washing your car with a polishing cloth, and you want it to be the best, so you shared that. Now, um, as I said, I was be, I reading a book on Amy Peters, the writer's devotional, and this is why I got inspired to do that, um, to to take um, get you to, to describe uh, the editing process as you've discussed. Now, um, what I was going to ask you now is, what what is it, um, because the Random House, um, it says, one of the days in editing on week six, she covered a quote by Random House Handbook, which stated, aim for vividness in describing. Basically, what it states is, do you believe that dialogue can make for better reading in your story, 
and also that by choosing colorful words and expressions for your characters, make them more believable. Yes or or no? Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, as, as we just talked about just now, is great dialogue can make, or break a, uh, mm-hmm. can make a story and bad dialogue can break a story. Um, vivid words uh, are, are really important as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't want to use the same word over mm-hmm. and over and over. No. Um, so you want to make sure and use vivid words. But uh, uh, to go with that, if you have to look a word up, don't use it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, one thing I hate is when I'm reading a book and all of a sudden I read a word, I'm like, what the heck does this mean? And I have to stop because I don't know I what don't the word know means. Door, and yeah. I will go get my dictionary or I will go online and type the word into the online dictionary and go, oh, what does that word mean? But it just completely took me out of the story mm-hmm. because I had to stop to find out the definition. So mm-hmm. you want to use vibrant and colorful words um, to, to make your story stronger, mm-hmm. but use the right ones. Yeah. You know, don't use words that you don't know the meaning of or that you, that the average reader might not know the meaning of. Exactly. So if both of those, I would say yes. Okay. You know, and and that, that's great advice. Now, as far as um, what I was going to say, and, and you speaking of that reminds me of when I started working on The Diary of the Broken Father. When I yes. did that book, when I had it in school, because I had to do it as a, well, that was one of my final fiction pieces to turn in. When I started writing it with the first part of the, the class, because it's divided into two sections, those are your two classes that you graduate with. And the first part I took, the, uh, the teacher took uh, read my first draft, and she loved the fact that I got into the character of the drunk father. See, the whole point was this man's not educated, he's just saying it saying his his what he laments about his, what he did to his daughter and he's going through alcoholism so she liked it but then there was somebody that pointed out well you know uh, the other uh, a student in the class pointed out because you have to get a critique well it, it should be the 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 person needs to talk uh, tell us more about what was going on or he needs to be more detailed the teacher wrote no he doesn't need to be more detailed because the whole point that Sylvia's trying to make in this story, and correct me if I'm wrong, she asked me, is that it is coming from a man who has lost everything and is building his life back up. That correct. was like one of the best comments or compliments I got in that story. That I was I was trying to get into, like you said, build in the characters. Because if you don't draw in the vividness in the story from the beginning, even though it was just a draft, just to have her say that she understood where, what place I was in when I wrote it, that meant so much. You know, like, if you can feel, it's like when I read your, um, you know, the uh, dredging up memories. I got into that Hank Walker, and it was like, I connected from the get-go, and the story just kept going and going and going, and Humphreys, and the whole, that whole, you know, that whole mindset that you built, I got into it and I was drawn in and I said, you know, this guy is, I mean, I know Stephen King is a great writer. He is one of the best. You're up there with them. You really are, Jeff. I mean, I read your story and I was like blown away. It's, it's great writing. That's all I got to say. Well, I want to appreciate that. Um, mm-hmm. I, uh, I am a fan of Stephen King. Um, matter of fact, it's Stephen King 
the only writing book I've ever read mm-hmm. was on writing. On writing, yes, yes. Now, I, I need to correct that. I never finished the book. Okay. Um, I got about halfway through it and to a chapter in there, and I, I finished. Uh, I almost finished the chapter, but mm-hmm. I stopped when he went. He said, and "I'm going to paraphrase here because I can't remember it exactly." He said, "The author is the story's first reader," and I thought that was so profound yeah. that you know, as an author, as you're writing the story, you're reading the story. Yes, and if as a reader. I don't like the story. Yeah. How do I expect my readers to like the story? You know. That's good um, advice. Yeah. So it was, and that was in 2010. Okay. And up to that point, I had actually I had thought I was a pretty good writer. Mm-hmm. Um. It was after I read that 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 particular word, that particular sentence in his uh, in on writing mm-hmm. that. I changed my entire philosophy about writing. Mm-hmm. I completely reinvented mm-hmm. my writing style because I realized that everything I had written before 2010, and we're talking at that point probably about 900 short stories and five or six novels. Wow. Uh, everything I had written to that point was written with a mindset of I have to follow this rule, I have to follow this rule, yeah. I have to follow that rule, or the story won't be good. Uh-huh. Um, and I was wrong. You can follow the rules, but if the rules don't work for the story, break them. Yes. And so I, I the, the very first story I wrote after reading that is called Chet and Kay's not so marvelous adventure, mm-hmm. and it was about a about a ten or twelve thousand word story, mm-hmm. and I just went along for the ride. I let the characters take it, and I said, "Let me see if I can learn about these characters. Let me see mm-hmm. what I can put what situation they're going to get get in, and how they're going to get out." And I just kind of went along for the ride. Yeah, and I let the story kind of tell itself. I wrote the story in a matter of a couple of weeks, um, and I really liked it. I, I, I constantly point to that story mm-hmm. as the turning point of my writing career, because mm-hmm. it was right after that, um, well, it's about, about a year and a half later, where I got con- a publisher contacted me and said, hey, I want to put out a book for you. And so we started talking, and next thing you know, Along the Splinter Path was coming out. Mm-hmm. And the three stories from that book all were written in the same mindset of, I'm a reader, yeah. I'm learning about the story, and what do I want to learn? What do I want to see? Wow. How do I want to see it? So now when I sit down to write, and, and Hank Walker, you brought up Dragging Up Memories, Hank Walker was a story written with that in mind. Yeah. I had no clue where that story was going. Yeah. I just know that Hank Walker had to kill kill a bunch of uh, dead dead zombies at the beginning of the story, and the last one he kills is a little boy, and it just messes with him so bad. Yes, and 
I said, where do I go from here? And next, yeah. next thing you know, the story just goes and goes. And as you as you read it, yes. he spirals so far out of control yes. and, and so far and, into depression and, and, and alcoholism Humphreys, and stuff Humphreys, like that. Humphreys, I believe, is, well, I don't want to give spoilers, but he's like that saving grace for 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 Hank. At least that's the way I saw it when I was, like, the way it, it, it looked to me, that that was like, kind of like, he's fighting between insanity and sanity. And I think right. Humphreys is, and I'm not going to give away who Humphrey is, but Humphreys is that saving grace for Hank. At least that's just what I got out of it. Humphrey was the saving grace for Hank. You're, you're absolutely right, because it was uh, when Humphrey, when, when uh, he meets Humphrey, yes. and it kind of centers him, yes. because he, he doesn't know where his family is. He doesn't know if they're alive or no. they're dead. He's he's kind of lost without them, yes. and he's oh crap! I'm all by myself in this yes. dead world. Exactly. And Humphrey kind of considers him, so it was very that was a very important character for the book, um, and, and uh, that really was I think you used the right term as saving grace for Hank, mm-hmm. because as you saw as the story went, uh, he kept going back to Humphrey, kept going back to Humphrey, kept going back to Humphrey. You know, and it was very important that. Okay, can you hold on a second? I'm going to put a a music. Something's going on with one of my boys. I'll be right back. And I'm sorry. This is live, guys. I'll be right back. Sorry. And you put some music. should have been over from uh gotten off it about 30 minutes ago so my apologies on that guys it's live radio or or podcast so continue on that last part you were talking about with humphreys my apologies on that jeff it's quite all right um i have children i understand (laughs) um humphrey you know hank keeps going back to humphrey yes throughout the entire story you know and really, Humphrey becomes his family, okay. and, and that's the uh, the the whole storyline. Both those characters mm-hmm. just kind of took off on their own. I had no clue what was going, yeah. and uh, I I'm not going to give the scene away, but there was mm-hmm. one scene that's uh, devastating, and up to that point, I hadn't had no intentions of writing that particular scene. And then when I reached a, a particular spot in the book, I was like, I have to do this. Mm-hmm. Because this is what, what characters yeah. are telling me to do. And I didn't want to write the scene because of what it was about and where I'd have to put myself in order to write the scene. Exactly. Uh, but then, after I wrote it, 
I was like, okay, that was a catalyst. That was a massively important part to the story. And uh, then you saw a different side of Hank Walker after that. Yes, exactly, exactly. And that, and that, and that's amazing. Like I said, sharing, being able to share editing with your with writing is always a great combination. Especially you're one of those uh, that has the. It's kind of like they say the the triple threat. You know, you have the the writing. The you know you have the the editing. You also have the the advice you know like a mentor i consider you that for me uh whether you know it or not uh, i consider you a great mentor a friend a mentor and a, and a great editor and author you know and i've learned a lot and i keep growing i keep learning new things like with this podcast i didn't know quite what i was doing with it in the beginning but i'm as i go i feel like i get better and because people are downloading the podcast i feel like i'm doing something right so <laughs> Well, see, and that's the thing. Um, one of the uh, most important things with writing mm-hmm. and editing and yeah. really anything yeah. uh, is practice. Practice, yeah. Years ago, and I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but uh, Allen Iverson was a basketball player. Mm-hmm. He played in the NBA. Yeah. And apparently his coach got mad at him because he didn't want to practice one day. Mm-hmm. So at a press conference, Allen Iverson kept bringing up – this is practice. We're talking about practice. Yeah. Not a game. I'm an NBA All-Star. I'm an Olympian. I don't need to practice. He was wrong because it wasn't too long after that that he was out of the NBA and playing in another country. Mm-hmm. Um, Alan Iverson was a great basketball yeah. player, yeah. but his ego was so big that he couldn't realize that the importance of practice wasn't just about him. It was, it was about the team. Yeah. Yeah. And so as you as you do these podcasts, you're going to learn things and you're going to get better at them. Mm-hmm. As you write, you learn things and you get better at mm-hmm. it. As you edit, you learn things and, and you get, get better. better at it. Yep. That's the point to practice is you, to you get just, better. You just keep and, and keep at it. Like don't give up. Like we, how many times has it been, Jeff, that we've tried to do this interview and we kept either something didn't work and we didn't give up on it. We said. Where this 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 editing show or this interview will happen, we and we had our lives because we have kids as you see, you know we have children we have to tend to them. My daughter's sick today. Your son was sick last week, I think it was, right? He was. Uh, I hope he's doing a lot better. Well, much better. Which and, and I'm 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 glad to hear that. I I was praying for him, and my daughter's been sick today, and she has the flu, and you know we have lives, but. When you really love something, you don't give up on it. Even if, whether it's writing, editing, take that time. You have, you, I know you have a full-time job. We all have lives. We have a family. Excuse me, drank too much coffee. Um, and But the thing is, don't give up on what you're doing. It's like uh, on Stitch Mouth Publications, you guys work, and you're growing your authors and your editors, and you're, I think you even have a magazine now, I, I believe. Yeah. And, 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 I mean, you're doing things, and it hasn't been a long time since Lisa started this company that, that you all have. And together, like I said, it's a community. You're helping each other. And my job with this podcast is to help other artists reach their potential. That it, yes. It's a whole show for artists and for people to come and talk about what motivates them and what gets them going. So, you know. Oh, absolutely. 
exactly. But and I can ramble on all day. But I was gonna say, what advice? Because I think that was the last question I asked. What is one piece of advice that you can give your writer or writers? And if you want to also mention about what you're working on now, I know you mentioned your writing book and anything else you want to add to that. Well, um, to me, one of the biggest and most important things is to ask questions. Yeah. Um, if you don't know something, you won't know until you ask, yeah. or you won't know until you research it. Yeah. Don't uh, don't assume your editor is always right. Most of the time they are, but if you if if you're not sure about something, ask them. What do you please explain this to me? Why do you want this change? Now, don't be a jerk about it. Mm. You know, be be respectful, be mm. professional, and say and, and give the reasons why. Don't just say I don't want to make this change. Give the reason why, or or please say please help me understand why you want me to do this. I yeah. don't understand. Yeah. It doesn't fit, or you know, just you know, you have to have an open line of communication. Yeah, and that's very important in anything. Especially writing. Yeah, exactly. It, it's it's yeah. one of the big, biggest things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and that's um, that's one of the biggest pieces of advice I would I would give is, <coughs> excuse me, ask questions. You know, ask, just, always ask questions. And um, like I said, the the cold or it seems like the cough or dry cough because of this weather affecting us all. I've been the same way today. But I was going to say, um, so what are you working on now? I know that the last book I, I uh, wrote a review on for you was The Forgetful Man's Disease. I really love that story. Oh, my goodness. But is there is there something you want to add to that or other books you're working on now? Well, um, on April 13th, which is a Friday, which is an awesome day, Friday yes. the 13th, Yay. my short story collection, Voices, Yay. comes out. Yay. Uh, it is really, um, it's going to be released by Stitch Smile Publications. Yay. Uh, it is a dark book. Okay. Um, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. There, there is some subject matter in there that some people may not like very well. Um, with this book, I did not shy away from things, but I also didn't get graphic. I, I write. I wrote the stories the way I write my stories. Um, I don't have excessive gore. I don't have excessive violence. I don't have sex. You know, I don't have, I mean, I do have violence, but not excessive violence. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I write in a, in a manner that I want you to get in the character's head. Mm -hmm. And I want you to use your, your mind. Exactly. I, I put the stuff there and let you live, you know. But Voices comes out on April 13th. I'm totally excited. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, at the end of this year, and, I, and you've heard me talk about this before, but for those who don't know, uh, once a month I put out this thing called the Brown Bag Stories. Yes. yes. It's, it's a little booklet that, um, that we make, me and my wife will uh, put together. Um, we, this is year four. Of the Brown Bag stories. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I can't believe we've been doing it this long. But uh, at the end of this year, um, I am putting together a 
book, mm-hmm. all of the stories for in the books. Oh, wow. Um, so there's going to be at least 52 stories in the book. Oh, awesome. Uh, this year, I'm doing something a little different. Me and my wife are talking about it. Mm-hmm. We're, going to, we're trying to do more conventions and festivals this year. Mm-hmm. So I'm also making brown bag stories for, for the festival. Oh, yay. So you can... For those festivals. You won't be able to get them outside the festivals. Those stories will also go in the book. So I don't know how many there's going to be at the moment. Mm. I know sitting right now, my goal was to have at least 52 stories. Mm. That would be like one story a week for a year. Wow. Uh, But I'm thinking it's probably going to be between 52 and 56 stories. Uh, and it's going to be one big book. Um, it will not be called The Brown Bag Stories, however. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what we're going to call it yet. Uh, the title hasn't hit me. Uh, I've been compiling those over the last uh, five or six weeks. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, I have them all in booklet format on my computer. Yeah. But they're all going into an actual book. So I've had to compile them, go through them, uh, and um, make sure I have all of them. Two of those stories will not be in the collection. And I'll have a note in there because it. Uh, two of those stories, uh, mm-hmm. the Brown Bag stories, are actually in the collection Voices. Okay. As they're not going to be part, of, the, uh, part of that, uh, kind of like an anthology you're doing of your Brown Bag stories, correct? Kind of like a series. Exactly. Um, and, and I'm I'm really excited about that, but that won't be until uh, probably either December or January, mm-hmm. uh, December this year, January of 2019. Um, I'm also obviously working on Simply Put. Um, mm-hmm. I, I probably won't get back on that until maybe the end of March. Okay. Um, I have uh, I want to get the stories and everything ready for the big book. Oh, my goodness. Sorry, yeah. my son. <laughs> okay. Get it as much formatted as possible um, ahead of time so I don't have to do put it all together at the end of the year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Give me a second here. Sorry about that. Okay. My husband's taking care of it now. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, he's. I saw him walk over there. I'm like, okay. All right, my apologies again on that. If you hear that background noise, I've, I've been having such a great conversation with Jeff, but this is why I like to do the shows during the day, Jeff, only because I don't have all this. <laughs> no, I don't mind. I, I, might, I, I know you're staying up, and I appreciate it, of course, but I usually like during the day only because of the, the background noise. It's a quieter house when children are in school. <laughs> but. But I know you work full time, so no. But I was gonna say thank you so much. Um, where can your readers um find you? Uh, like on Facebook, like what are what is the best way to find you on 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 social media? Uh, Facebook definitely. Uh, if you were to look me up, it would be under AJ Brown thirty six. Okay. Um, and of course my author page, which is AJ Brown. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, my blog is type AJ negative. Mm-hmm. I do have a website that I've been working on. It's just called AJ Brown Storyteller. Okay. Um, 
And of course, you can look me up on Amazon. All of my books are under my author page on Amazon. Uh, Twitter is AJ Brown thirty six. I don't have an uh, Instagram or a Snapchat. I don't have a cell phone, so uh, I don't have any of those. But, Believe um, me, you don't need more more. So I, I use social media, but my whole goal is to try to downplay a little bit of the social media because it's great, but sometimes you do need to get away from it a bit. <laughs> oh, oh, absolutely. You know, but yeah, that's where you can find me. Um, you know, uh, and if if anybody wants uh, copies of the Brown Bag stories, drop me mm-hmm. a line on Facebook. Um, mm-hmm. I'm very accessible as long as you don't stalk me. Okay. Yeah, uh, very accessible. <laughs> no, that's um, that. No, that's great. And do you have like an email? Like, if a view a reader wants to connect with you, like uh, maybe a, a reader's list or anything like that. Do you have anything like that available? Yeah, uh, you can email me at ajbrown36 at bellsouth.net. Okay. Um, that's uh, generally that's the uh, email that I check for that. Um. And, and again, uh, it's easier to connect with me there or on Facebook. Uh, I try to make sure and check all my messages at least once a day. Usually more than that. Um, uh, I, um, like I said, those are the two easiest ways to get in touch with me. Okay. And anything else you want to add to this great, great interview that we just did with you, AJ? Did, is there anything you would like to add to this interview? Well, um, I want to uh, give a shout out to Stitch Smile Publications. Okay. Uh, a, a lot of people don't understand, a lot of people really don't understand how much work goes into putting out one book and how many people are involved in putting out one book. Writing mm-hmm. as a whole is a solitary endeavor. You mm-hmm. do it by yourself. Publishing really does take a village. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes a lot of people, and you know, SSP really works hard to put up great quality works. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it is it's hard to, uh, you know, sometimes appease a writer and say, "Hey, look, it's not ready. It's not ready." Yeah. Or sometimes to make sure the marketing is done. And there's so much more that goes into the behind the scenes of a book that readers don't understand, yes. that authors, a lot of authors don't understand unless they've been on that side. Exactly. You know, and, and, you know, editing, writing is the easy part. After writing is where it gets hard. If you're, going, if you're trying to get published, if you're trying to get, uh, make a name for yourself, mm-hmm. it's a lot of work. And, and uh, Stitch Smile does a great job of putting out Quality works, and, and I'll throw one thing out. My, my good friend MF Wall has a book yeah. coming out in March. Mm-hmm. It's called Disease. Yeah. Um, yes. You guys are going to want to read this book. It is really, really good. I, I've been fortunate enough to get a sneak peek of it. Um, you guys are going to want this book. MF Wall is, is it, just yes. Uh, I had her on my show um, a while um, back, um, but I think I, I need to have her back on here. Hopefully I can schedule something with her at some point in the future. Uh, MF Wall, if you're listening, hopefully I'll schedule you sometime later this year so you can speak about your book because uh, I know we talked about it on your show, um, on the show last time. So shout out to you and 
everyone at SSP. Uh, yeah. Hello to all the editors, Donnell, Lisa, James Matthew Byers, author, Brianna Robertson, uh, A.J. Brown, and all the wonderful authors and editors that you all have. <laughs> And whatever else you were going to say, I'm sorry, uh, Jeff, for taking over. <laughs> I just want to make sure that, you know, with her book coming out next month, I wanted to give her a shout out. Um, it's been a long time coming. She's worked really hard on it. And, uh, you know, she also was the uh, individual who put together the SSP magazine that just came out last month. She was the, the she compiled it. She got it all formatted. She, she's the one who did a lot of that work. Um, wow. So great job on putting out Yes, well, great work all around. And AJ Brown, this has been a most awesome, candid interview with uh, with we added the your the writing, the editing, all about you know the stuff you're working on. It's amazing, and I want to thank you for taking the time to come to in the artist realm to be here on this podcast with me, and I appreciate it very much. Well, thank you for having. Well. No, no, it's great. It's great. And like I said, you've been gracious, great, and working with me with the technology and stuff. And like I said, I, I really enjoyed having you. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. Well, this has been a very wonderful interview, a candid interview with the amazing A.J. Brown. Um, I will leave you now, and thank you for joining us in the Artist Realm podcast here on Podbean. And uh, this is Sylvia Stein. And you all have a great evening. And I will post this right after the show. Have a great one. Mm -hmm.